Welcome to the College Church Sabbath School Podcast, where each week Pastor Anar Ram and Elder Roger Prather will be diving into the weekly lesson from the Seventh-day Adventist Church. The congregation at the College Church has made it their motto to love, grow, and serve. We really want to learn to love more, grow more, and serve more. It is our hope that through these conversations, we can learn to better serve our congregation, our local community, and the world. Thank you for joining us today, and we hope you are blessed with today's conversation. Welcome to the College Church Sabbath School Podcast. And uh, with me in the room are two distinguished gentlemen and scholars. And uh, um, yeah, Tom's looking behind him here. So on my right is... <laughs> oh no, Roger Prince. <laughs> and on my left, sort Tom of, Bloom. Tom Bloom, I mean our Rob, and and uh, this is actually the last podcast for 2023 as we wrap up this whole quarterly called God's Mission, My Mission. And uh, last podcast we looked at the story of Esther. We kind of got into different forms of evangelism, and uh, we've we've had a good good quarter on this and i just want to give a plug for the next quarter which will be on the psalms so i hope you'll be blessed by that journey and that we can somehow um bring some insight as we look at that very 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 familiar book so without more delay let us begin tom would you pray for us as we start absolutely Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you for the opportunity to sit and listen to your word. And as we open the pages of your book, help those words that you want us to hear and understand jump off the page at us. And for our listeners, help those words to be of benefit to them in their spiritual walk with you. We thank you and we love you. In thy name, amen. 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 So the the lesson title is kind of an interesting title, The End of God's Mission. And, um, you know, you just listen to that, the end of God's mission, mission complete, mission finished. And sin over. Sin over. (laughs) (laughs) And and it's interesting, if you're familiar with the the classic five books of Ellen White, the Conflict of the Ages series, I think it's important to realize that it begins with three words, God is love. The great controversy concludes with those same words, God is love. And, and. It, that's ultimately where it is, where every knee will bow, every mouth will confess that God is God is God. Well, God's mission was to show that He was love. Yeah. In every opportunity that when He gave His Son, when He created the world, I mean, in every turn that there is, He is showing, and His mission to us, the fallen humanity, is that He is love. That's his mission, and always has been. Yep. Yep. And every vehicle that is used, okay, be it mission, be it evangelism, be it the six different steps of evangelism that we talked about in our last podcast, mm-hmm. all of those should ultimately come back to this idea that you want to know who this God guy is? God is love. Yep. And what does love look like? All right, well, now we can – there. now we have a jumping off place. So, And I'm glad you brought that up, Tom, because everything we do – even the building that we're in right now, we're in a beautiful, large building um, here in South Lancaster. Uh, they can seat just up to a thousand people. Mm-hmm. Um, everything is about mission, 
everything pathfinders our uh roof project um holiday food drive everything must come back to god's mission and the problem is when we fail to realize that right when we think they're end of ourselves or when we're ready to die on the hill about what color the wall should be right and that's where we get way off off track so one of our flagship texts, of course, is the three angels, three angels' message, Revelation 14, and and it's interesting to look at that those those very 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 familiar words about the three angels' message, and you know I've, I've often thought if if I was reading the Bible for the very first time, and I read these these words, what would be going through my mind? You know, I saw another angel flying in the midair. He had the eternal gospel to proclaim to those who live on the earth, to every nation, tribe, language, and people. So I'm seeing a global movement here. He said, uh, he said in a loud voice, Fear God and give him glory, because the hour of his judgment has come. Worship him who made the heavens, the earth, the sea, and the springs of water. So we're seeing here a time of judgment. Seems very serious, ominous in a way. And then the second angel comes and fallen, fallen Babylon the Great, which made all the nations drink the maddening wine of her adultery. So obviously there's some sort of organization that falls short. I'm just pretending I'm reading this uh, like I just walked in off the street. And a third angel follows says, if anyone worships the beast in his image and receives its mark on their forehead or on their hand, they too will drink the wine of God's fury, which is poured full strength into the cup of his wrath. They would be tormented with burning sulfur in the presence of the holy angels and of the Lamb. And the smoke of their torment will rise forever and ever. There will be no rest or day or night for those who worship the beast in its image or for anyone who receives the mark on his name. This calls for the patient endurance on the part of the people of God who keep his commands and remain faithful to Jesus. Then I heard a voice from heaven saying, Write this blessed of the dead who die in the Lord from now on Yes, as a spirit, they will rest from the labor, for their deeds will follow them. Now, of course, Revelation goes on long and long and longer, and, and, and those verses just read is so central to uh, our mission, and we have spent countless hours interpreting these words. And we're not going to do that this on, on this podcast, but it's interesting when you when you look at mission complete, you see this concept of the three angels and and bringing this pretty serious message that that it's 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 uh it's judgment time well okay so yeah uh, revelation is full of apocalyptic language absolutely agreed okay but i don't want to get down into the weeds of saying all right because i grew up with a fear of the book of revelation right okay i will not accept that the book of revelation is a praise book it is a here i come i'm coming to bring you home mm-hmm, okay mm-hmm. you're not supposed to be quaking in your boots you're not supposed to be terrified you're not supposed to be praying please don't come when i'm 17 so i can learn how to drive a car okay no come on down okay yeah because if we if you take those yes are those very serious words there absolutely but if you wrap those in the words god is love okay they kind of lose that you know that 
fire and brimstone, you know, poke you with the hot poker, you know, kind of stuff. Right? No, I those two things don't live in the same in the same world for me personally. Well, I think you bring up a good point because the context here is, of course, John is on Patmos. He's put there not because he's on vacation. Right. I think Patmos actually is a is a resort island now. It's kind of funny to think about that. Yeah, yeah. they go there for vacation. He was sent there. He didn't want to go, and he sees his vision. And you can understand that if you're in that situation, you're like, you know, the old system, it'll be good when it's done. Right. Because I don't want to be here. And, and so we're here, we're, here we are in the 21st century. Okay, you're seeing, even secularists can look to see the wheels are starting to fall off. Yeah. Okay, yep. something's going to change here. Yeah. And, and, and no matter how, if, you, if you're, I'm a historian, so you look at the way the world has a tendency to change from one age to the next, it's not usually the most smooth transition a lot of times. Usually there's a lot of screaming and yelling and dying that mm-hmm. goes on when when major things turn over. So this is where that fear factor comes in, right? And then you say, okay, so you, you look at the apocalyptic language in Revelation. You say, okay, we're going to have a changing of the guard. All right, but yeah, but that's not what God's about. Yeah, he's going to wipe it all away, yep. all right, but he's a God of love. And so you got to hang on to the love part because if you hang on to the apocalyptic part, it, you're going to be praying that he doesn't come during your lifetime. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I see Rogers being pretty quiet. <clears throat> oh, I was just looking at the stuff that came before Revelation, uh, well, before the three angels' message in Revelation 14, just to kind of uh, get an idea. Oh, yeah. You know, yeah. So then I looked in there on Mount Zion, stood the Lamb. And with him were 144,000 um, who had his name and his father's name written on their foreheads. I heard a sound from heaven like the sound of cascading waters and like the rumbling of loud thunder. The sound I heard was also like harpists playing on their harps. Mm. They sang a new song before the throne and before the four living creatures and the elders, but no one could learn the song except the 144,000 who had been redeemed from the earth. These are the ones not defiled with women, for they have kept their virginity. These are the ones who follow the Lamb wherever he goes. They were redeemed from the human race as the first fruits for God and the Lamb. No lie was found in their mouths. They are blameless. 144,000 is a figurative number. 144 is 12 times 12. Um, yeah. 12 is the number of tribes of Israel. 12 is the number of apostles. Uh, so you sort of you see this multiplication of uh, faithful servants. Um, and that is what precedes the three angels' message. What, what you're seeing here is you're seeing a group of faithful people um, who have been liberated by the gospel, right. waiting for, remember, revelation, a re- revelation, a revealing of what? A revealing of things previously hidden. Yep. Mm-hmm. The way I explain it to people is um, think, of, um, think of the story of Robin Hood, right? Uh, Robin Hood wasn't just a thief who robbed from the rich and gave to the poor. Robin Hood was a, a crusader for justice under a pretend king, mm-hmm. the brother of King Richard. King Richard had gone off to fight in the Crusades. He had been gone a long time, and in his absence, his brother uh, John uh, takes the throne and uh, taxes uh, the people unfairly for yep. his own enrichment and power. 
and Robin Hood and his um, merry band um, keep alive the memory of the justice of King Richard, good mm. King Richard. Everybody else is being oppressed by an illegitimate king who had usurped the throne of his brother. And one day, King Richard returns. And the people who have been waiting in Nottingham Forest hiding out, you know, they're the ones who can rejoice. They can rejoice because the just king has returned. He was previously hidden. He was off fighting the war. But now he's returned victorious to reclaim his throne. That's really the gospel. That's what the three angels' message is. Um, and so, like, when you talk about here is the, you know, this calls for patient endurance of the saints. You know, we... Um, we we can get really confused on how all this plays out. You know, traditionally in the Adventist church, we have this particular eschatological uh, position about how things play out, and 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 we've th- that worked in evangel. You know, we talk about mission in, in terms of evangelism that worked for a long time, but it doesn't work anymore. Um, that old-fashioned presentation of this story, and I would say that you know if we were going to try and tell this story to a modern world. Um, you have to say something like, look, the wor- there, there are things that are fundamentally wrong with the world. Right. Yep. Everybody knows this, right? That's why people are attracted to political ideologies. It's why people are attracted to uh, various forms, forms of spirituality. It's why people are attracted to, um, moti- you know, the, the, the Tony Robbinses of the world and the Gitrich. celebrities, just celebrities. Yeah. You know, we yearn for something better than what we know we have. We, we know that there should be something better, right? Everybody knows that intuitively. Yeah. And so what, what do the evil empires, let's say, of the world do? They take advantage of that, right? They take advantage of our gullibility and our idealism. Um, and for the Christian, what it is is we know who the true king is. He appears to be hidden. Um, but just like he told the Apostle Thomas, you know, like, blessed are those who believe but haven't seen. Right, yeah. Um, and so we have, you know, uh, I was reading for, uh, one of the verses they point us to is First John chapter 4, verse 8. That's where the God is love thing comes from. And he says, nobody's seen God. Mm-hmm. But if we love, then God is manifested in us. Right? And so that patient endurance of the saints, you know, we, we tend to think of it as like, oh, we're going to be persecuted. And, you know, we're going to perhaps... Perhaps, but I think it's more like there's this there's this desire that we should be the ones taking over the world. Right. Mm. But something I've said over and over again, we have no reasonable expectation of success. No. No reasonable expect the world the world is completely and utterly turned against the gospel. The, the yeah. world hates the gospel. Right. Yeah. And so, what on earth makes us think that we're going to go out there and we're going to tell people, "Hey, man, Jesus loves you," and they're just going to be like, "Wow, that's wonderful news." Yeah. No, we have to find other ways of communicating mm-hmm. it. And the world will never be 100% Christian. Right. Like, I mean, even though that that's kind of the the lofty ideal that we talk about, you know, oh, we everybody got there and convert, you know, kind of thing. And and in reality, that's like antithetical, antithetical to what's actually going to happen. It's interesting you say that because uh, I don't know if you remember the story of Pitcairn. Yeah. 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 And, and, and there was a point there where Almost the whole island was Seventh-day Adventist. Right. Not anymore. It has, I don't know if it was implosion or what it was, but it's not that way anymore. And it's kind of like, well, what? I mean, I would really be fascinated to do a, a study on that. Why, why did this happen? Was it just the natural progression of an organization reaches its peak and then it starts disintegrating? 
whether infighting, who knows? Um, but when you said that, I'm thinking about about this image we have that there'll be a church on every corner, and and everybody will be. Uh, the last quarter I talked about made made reference in the quarterly about Esther, and wouldn't it be or would it be good if 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 the Sabbath was part of the law right. in in society? And I I don't it almost would scare me. Because once you do that, then you have other laws. You know, it would be more. I don't know. It just it just seems so the wrong motivation. But the, the the it's the idea of falling in the ditch on okay. And I understand that like when I use left right, I'm talking in a political you know USA sense. Okay, the evangelical mission out there right now is what? Okay, gain control politically so that we can institute our own version of what Christianity is supposed to be. We're yeah. a Judeo-Christian nation, so gosh darn it, we're going to make it a Judeo-Christian nation, right? Yeah. And we're going to do it by law and fiat and any other way that we can figure it out. Except that that's not the right way to no. do it. You know, it's never been that way. Well, it depends on what you mean by law. Well, like, okay you know, we're all going to be Christian and we're going to be a particular kind of Christian and this is the kind of Christian that we're going to feed you. You know, this is what I mean by law. So and, Ellen, and Ellen White in The Great Controversy says that the reason, um, the reason freedom flourished in the United States was because it had the dual influences of Protestantism and Republican political theory. Okay. So if you just take that from Ellen G. White and the Great Controversy, you could make an argument for why we should be encouraging Christians to. But but, but I think we're missing something here, and that's the authentic the authenticity of the religiousness, the Protestantism. The the is it just right. are we just going through the motions without any deep, real, authentic experience with God, or are we just saying, okay, in the case of evangelicals. Sunday, quote unquote, is the Lord's Day. We got to shut down all the businesses. Well, I mean, and no more football. And and, and Jesus's disciples suffered from the same thing, right? I mean, they're like, "Well, Lord, you're coming to, you know, set up your kingdom." Hold on a second, there, guys. You know, this is. I'm not here for what you think I'm here for. Right. Right. My kingdom is not here. It's well, that's not what he. That's not. I don't. I don't take it. He was talking about origins. Right. They wanted him to seize political power, power. Right. by right. traditional political means. And that's what I'm saying the evangelical yeah. movement in the United States is doing as well. Some, right. not all. Right, right, right. Yeah. Some, not all. There, there's, a, there's a very large contingent within the evangelical church that, I mean, like, like, well, we are evangelicals from a scholarly perspective. Sure. Um, the evan from, evangelical broadly construed, there's... There are plenty of contingents within the evangelical church, broadly construed, um, that are not going down the pathway of the direct exercise of political power. Mm. And the, I would also point out, because uh, it's something I study, um, the the people, by and large, uh, the people with good intellectual foundations, like there are good scriptural and intellectual arguments for exercising a sort of Christian nationalism. Um, I've read them. I understand them. Um, they're very persuasive, um, but they come from a particular eschatological perspective called postmillennialism. Right. And postmillennialism says it, it, it's actually 
diametrically opposite of what we believe eschatologically in the Adventist church. We're pre-millennialists. Yes. Pre 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 yeah. um, Christ comes and then he, you have the millen right. millennial then, reign. Right. Yep. They believe that the millennial reign precedes the physical coming of Christ and right. it's instituted mm -hmm. by the church itself. Right. Right. Um, so now you do have other people who are going down the path of Christian nationalism um, who are directly linked to certain uh, political elements in the Republican Party. And I'm not saying that because I'm discouraging anybody from being a Republican. No, it's just the truth. It's yeah. just the truth. Like, right. um, so I just want to make that clear. Yeah. Um, and but, but there is, but that is one of the things that we have to sort of contend with, right? Because it is, I, I'll, I'll admit to you, it's, it's very tempting to look at society today and be like, look, we have strayed so far from the plot. Right. If, you know, Joe Blow gets elected president and institutes like some sort of like Protestant Republic, I'd probably be kind of like, eh, well, <laughs> I don't know. It's not that bad guys. You nice know what I mean? Like, live, yeah, it's right? going to be in the, yeah, exactly. Yeah. You know? So, um, but that's, but again, we get back to that patient endurance of the saints. Like what are, what, what are we being patient about? I think the thing from, from, a, from an Adventist perspective I think the thing that we're being patient about is we are patiently waiting for Christ to come and culminate his kingdom. Right, right. But we have to, in the meantime, we have to figure out what it means, occupy till I come. Right. So here, it's, I want to jump to Second Peter chapter 3, <clears throat> excuse me, verse 8 and 9. And, and I think this is good, we're familiar with these words, but it's good medicine for us. Uh, but do not forget this one thing, dear friends, with the, with the Lord, a day is like a thousand years. In a thousand years like a day. The Lord is not slow in keeping his promise, as some understand slowness. Instead, he is patient with you, not wanting anyone to perish, but everyone to come to repentance. Um, and then it says, but the day of the Lord will come like a thief. The heavens will disappear like a roar. And this is one of our key proof texts. But it's interesting, God doesn't want anyone to perish <clears throat> and I when I look at that it's like you know so many times we say oh if only Jesus would come right now but think if your child was not ready right now see you know and, yes and we, we would say hold on Lord I'm not you know as much as I want to get out of this mess but those I, conditions will always be hmm Okay, what you you're describing. Okay, so so it's not my kid, all right. Mm -hmm. It's somebody else's kid, mm -hmm. uh, and, and we've talked about this off air. We've said you know the the world is a perpetual motion machine. Yeah. Okay. Equal number of people being born, equal number of people of dying. Okay. So this the conditions that you're talking about will always be present. Okay. So that means that we as humans don't understand some of the some of the actual concepts behind salvation we can't because if that's the case then we're saying these conditions are always there therefore god would never come because according to that he wants none that should be lost and so he's going to he's going to delay constantly until until what please i mean yeah. you know where's the conditions where he you know uh, all of a sudden are we going to stop having babies on the earth you know some disease is going to is going to make us all sterile i mean what is the conditions where he would say okay hmm. no it's been met now i can go forward you know the adventist contortion to overcome that <laughs> forgive me for using that word right. but 
<laughs> reveal more than I want to, but uh, the Adventist, the Adventist way of dealing with that is the sanctuary doctrine and the investigative judgment. Right, right. Mm. That's how we. That's how we overcome that obstacle. Now, I don't want to open a can of worms on no, sanctuary know, doctrine, I, but in the sense that Jesus moves from the most holy place and out. That well, I mean, like t- technically. Um, the, the judgment of all human beings began on October 22nd, 1844, oh, yeah, and we yeah, have an yeah. endpoint in in sight. Yeah, yeah. We don't exactly know, I think, uh, how that plays out, but if the sanctuary doctrine is in fact true, then um, there will come a point where um, uh, everyone he'll get, has that he'll opportunity. He'll get to the last baby that's born in the last second, and then he goes, that's it. Yeah. We're done. Yeah. Something like that. Yeah, something like that. Interesting. Interesting. <laughs> <laughs> but but and then the thing is we're really afraid to have these conversations. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And these are these are hard conversations. Cause I mean like I, I have my questions about the sanctuary doctor. I've studied it upside down and inside out and frontwards and backwards and I have yeah. um you know, I have what I what I perceive to be the legitimate theological questions about it. Um but so yeah, I don't have a problem talking about it. But um, you know, when we talk, but that's a part of when we say the end of God's mission. You know, um, that's a part of what we're talking about in the Seventh Day Adventist Church, at least when you're talking about official doctrine. Yeah. And do we really understand that? You know. Now, now I th- let me pause here. I don't think when we look at the mission going through the whole world, the the gospel, I would have to say, even I'd have to say, I don't know if it's like that everybody's going to present it. With twenty-eight fundamental beliefs. Well, no, no, no. Okay, so <clears throat> all right. I don't. I think. Please separate more... Adventism from the right, gospel. Right. Okay. Right. So we're not talking about twenty-eight fundamental beliefs, but even Sister White says there will be people in heaven who've never heard the, sa- exactly. the name of Jesus Christ. So how do you rectify that versus go ye into the whole world? Right. Yeah. Okay. At some point, somewhere, these concepts have to mesh together. So, and I think, where it's logical. I think the answer is is John ten ten. <clears throat> Excuse me. Jesus said, "I have come that they may have life, and have it more abundantly." He's not talking about necessarily eternal life. He's talking about living right now. That you don't have to think that I'm an accident, um, and that I have offended God. So that's why I got a parking ticket, and you know these type of things. And it's a yin and yang, and and well, not yin and yang. <laughs> okay, so so let me get this straight then. So God's mission, His end game, is not necessarily the second coming. Hmm. That's a good question. I, I think there are Christians who would probably agree with that. And I, I mean, I, 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 I'll raise, I'll bring up that word that I said right before we started. I, I do think there that. Question, oh, go ahead. I do think that when you look at the parable of the banquet, and I think that's God's desire <clears throat> is to have a full house. Right. You know, I do believe that at the end, of the, that's what he is desiring. Yeah, but we also believe in free will, so we know that that's not going to happen. But he's also, but that, but the, but the wedding banquet's also specifically about the the Jews, right? The Jews were invited. Oh, but then they go and to they the chose Gentiles. not to, and yeah. then they go out and to find the, the people who were unclean, so yeah, to yeah. speak. Yeah, and, and the they come, and ways, they're the ones. Yeah, yeah they're yeah. the ones which that is, which is us, right? <laughs> but now, but now you have to sort of like, how do you apply that in in, in contemporary, yeah, you know, contemporary environment? Like, um, 
how do we apply that wedding banquet thing? Do we just say like, hey, look, um, you don't, I mean, you know, these are questions that we don't really like to ask, you know, and we talk about mission. What does it mean to invite someone to accept the gospel? What does it mean to have salvation? Like you said that last yep. episode, you know, you said, um, you know, sometimes we're confused about the meaning of our own salvation. Yep. And again, they, they become very uncomfortable. And I, I mean, I've never been afraid to say what's really on my mind. I think sometimes the church leadership is, it, it discourages us from having these conversations because most church members, and I'm sorry if you're listening, I'm not trying to offend anyone, but a lot of church members, you randomly select church members and you quiz them on their knowledge of doctrine and, and scripture. And you know, we've done a very, very bad job as leaders um, in, in, in educating uh, yeah. church members. Mm. So that was weird. Yeah. What just stopped? Are we full? No. Oh. Was there the... Um, was it the AC or something? Yeah, it sounded like an AC turned off. Some fans, I think that's what it was. Some yeah. Turned. That was weird. It got really quiet. That's yeah. what it Sorry, was. Sorry, Megan. I, I turned on you got so, to chop this turned, portion out. I turned right? on the uh, the heat, and, and it was yeah. kind of cool oh. in here, and then that it went to... Sorry, it guys. It went two hours. So we, don't, we don't have like a super spiffy studio. <laughs> We're like professionals. But... but um, I, I think that we need to be, I don't know, and it, it kind of goes back to what we were talking about off off mic with um, with some of the things that some of the young people uh, that Tom and I work with, like what they, what they really want to hear from church leaders. And I think that we need to be more genuine. We need to be able to have these tough conversations, you yeah. know, because people have questions. Yeah. They have questions like, like what you just said. So wait a second. If the whole goal is just to love people, it's not... The second coming and right. to get them, you know, as part of the second resurrection. Right. Um, and then, you know, there are other questions like, well, if God wants everybody to be saved, why won't everybody mm-hmm. get right. an opportunity to make yeah. that decision? Because he is God, after all. He could and if make God it wants so. every, Yeah, exactly. If God's <laughs> sovereign and he's all-powerful right. and he wants people to be saved, why yep. won't everyone be saved? You know, where, where do we... How do we so, draw these lines? So let me let me switch shift gears to Wednesday's lesson, success and mission. What is success in mission? And and there, I would have to say, I'm gonna pull out that quote from Ellen White, which I think to me is really personifies it. A loving and lovable Christian is the strongest argument in favor of the Christian faith. I think that is, and I'm saying it because there's a paragraph here. I'm gonna read this, bear with me here. Disciples of Jesus are pure, remaining loyal to him as a pure bride would to her betrothed. They follow Jesus as he leads them by the still, small voice of the Holy Spirit. This includes leading us into missionary work for others. There is no deception in these disciples. They are not led astray by debilitating doubt, false teachings, or immorality. And they do not feel morally superior to others. They recognize they are imperfect, requiring God's cleansing grace and mercy. Understanding this, they are also open to receiving correction and instruction from other believers. And here's the thing. Success in mission results in making this type of disciple. And I'm like, wow, this person walks on water. Not just that, how do you get that how do you get that new disciple in the church? Well, that's what I don't I, I, don't know. I thought that's it was a preaching strange, to the choir, man. Yeah. And I say yeah, it just was a strange paragraph here. And and I Where's that at? Page one oh eight, Wednesday's lesson. 
and um, I would look at. I read. I was going over that. And it says this is a. That, I mean that bar is like impossible, and and and. I, and I, well, it includes <clears throat> all of the. You know, the first Corinthians, you know, 13, love is kind of stuff. Yeah. It, you know, you, that's all incorporated into that whole. So, yeah, you're right. And I think the problem is we have a very formulaic and uh, programmatic approach to mission. Right. And we think this is how it's going to work. So, and, so, and, and, so hang on here. So, so what you're saying is if I'm a Christian and I'm happy and I'm mostly secure in my salvation because Sister White says, you know, revel in your salvation, proclaim it, you know, kind of thing. You mean I'm not worried about it? I, I could backslide and I could lose my salvation in about three seconds. So I got to spend the rest of my life worrying about being saved. Mm. So what am I not doing if I'm worrying right. personally about my own salvation 24-7? I'm not getting out there and talking to my neighbor because, oh, my goodness, he could infect me and I could lose my salvation again. So that's interesting you said that, Tom, because when we were reading in Revelation here about the 144,000, our minds, I guarantee you, most people, when you read that, am I part of the 144,000? Well, I have and, kids, so the answer's no. <laughs> and, <laughs> and, and then if you do that, your your mindset goes a certain direction. Of course it does. It goes into spiritual self-preservation. Yeah, depression. Oh my goodness. Because you know, I, I lived in a world where the hundred and forty four thousand we argued about this. This was a real number, and that's all that was. And you know, the Mormons, I believe they believe that this is an actual Je number. Jehovah's Witnesses. Oh, okay. Jehovah's they Witnesses. They believe that they're the ones who go to heaven and reign with Christ. Right. And everybody else who's saved remains on the earth. I believe that's how it Works. Yeah. So, what are the rest of this poor schlub supposed to do, right? <laughs> <laughs> well, I also, I, I hate to open a can of worms, man. No, but I no, have to go for it. I have do to, it. I have to. But this is what I mean. Like, we have to have these conversations right. because what are we inviting people into, right? Right. And and, and when I read this chronologically, we we, we we should we like this this paragraph I read looks like Mister and Mrs. Super Christian. Oh you know? yeah. And it just it's just like, 1950. Right. He's wearing a three-piece tweed suit and a fedora. <laughs> they have 2.3 kids. Yep. Uh, they right. live in the and, suburbs. Yeah. And, and uh, yep. You know, yep. wife doesn't work. Right. Yep. Yep. Uh, and they've studied the Sabbath school lesson. They know their memory yeah, verses they both for Sabbath work, school. Right. They yeah. both work their way through college as coal porters. I mean, it's just, yeah, yeah yep. it's, I mean, I don't know. It. That that sounded great in the 1980s, you know, because you you were still like in a time where you could reflect back on that and be like, yeah, that was, that's what we need to be. Mm. But you, you can't go into. I mean, I don't. It, man, I I always sound critical, but hey, you got to be a critic sometimes. It bothers me that the people who wrote this quarter, whoever wrote this lesson, and I'm, you know, if you ever come across this man, God bless you, and I or hope, woman. or woman, yeah. God bless you, and I hope that you meet with great success. Mm. However, how can you be in charge of world mission, a division of world mission, and have that as your perspective on on, on, on what it means to be mission? Like, mm. you know what I mean? Yeah. It just doesn't work. 
It no. doesn't work. It come so, come to a come to and, the Seventh Day Adventist High School where and, I work. And, and you know, it's interesting for me. One of the most eye opening class I took in seminary was an expository class on First Corinthians. And when you go through that book slowly, you see what a messy church it was. Yeah, it was a messy church. They were suing each other. You know, inappropriate relationships lying, swearing, you know, all these sort of things going on. And it's like, this was the body of Christ. They were denying Paul, the resurrection. First Corinthians, what yeah. I just talked about last time, first Corinthians chapter 15, the reason Paul brought that up is they were saying they were denying the resurrection. Yeah. And, and, and Paul says in first Corinthians 12, you are the body of Christ. And then he, that leaps right into first Corinthians 13. So you get this, this is, this is the church. And so I think we need to say, okay, what's this? We have on our minds what the tr- church will look like in the last days, quote unquote. Yeah, so we hold up these paragons, right? And, yeah. and, and these icons and these paragons, and we say, this is what we need to achieve. And, and if we don't, right. bad things are going to happen. It, right. it, it's, it's not attainable goals. All right. I mean, maybe by the grace of God. But, okay. But, so uh, the answer is always, yeah. But God will give us the power, and no, it'll no, happen but, for but us. But maybe, right? we, what's the goal? Well, exactly. What what's is the, the goal? goal? I mean, maybe just me getting along with my fellow neighbors in the pew, and then across the in the town where I live, getting getting along with those people. Maybe that's the actual goal. Maybe you know. But we point towards this. This this thing off in the future, and we say no. That's the actual goal, yeah. and everything else can be pushed aside because we're there. We're right. we're pointedly going there. And and you know it's interesting. We're still really grappling with bring up this loaded term, last generation theology. Right. And yeah. that's a well, whole it always other, makes a comeback. It always makes a comeback. So, listen, um, Thursday's lesson. Want to just sort of shift gears. Keep this in mind, but. They bring up this whole subject of reached people group and unreached people group. I, I'm, you know what? I'm okay with eventually the rocks shouting Jesus's name because you know what? I b- firmly believe that that's going to happen. Yeah. I mean, they we use it as a, we we use it as a threat. What say that? Say say what you just said again. Where where the rocks will shout Jesus's oh, yeah, yeah, name? Yeah, yeah. Okay, we use that as a threat. Mm-hmm. Okay, so stay on task, stay on mm-hmm. mission, because you know if not, what's going to happen? The well, the rocks are going to start <laughs> crying out, and you know if the rocks start doing it, we failed. You know, kind of thing. No, no. Why? Why would we worry about that? See, here's the okay. So, here's the problem I have. Uh, but but can I pause you for one second? I want to just challenge us. Pausing is. <laughs> <laughs> is the people the reached people group maybe is really the unreached people group Possibly. yeah you, that's kind of like yeah. what i'm saying it is yeah. okay we invented this in america yeah and in great britain right missiology this isn't just adventism this right. is all missiology the yeah. protestants invented this stuff yeah and guess where the protestant church is receding the fastest in North America and Western Europe. Yeah. So how, like, I, I don't know, it just seems mm. so tone deaf Oh yeah. to adopt this perspective when we are, we're bleeding membership in certain age groups, not just us, but the Southern Baptist churches, um, other, con- other conservative, yeah. yeah, conservative Orthodox churches. And then you, you see, you see schisms, yeah. um, because of cultural issues. Um, that just means we need to ratchet it down harder. 
Yes, that's right. I, well, I will refrain from making political commentary on the last general conference session. Um, <laughs> yeah. Okay, move on, but, move yeah. on, move on. Right but here. I just think I think it's it, it's important to point out that you know, like we were we were super successful at this in this in the 18th, 19th, and early 20th centuries. Yeah. And then something shifted in the culture, and we still like our methods, our presuppositions. And our philosophy have not caught up to the shifts in the culture mm. that have taken place over the last, I'll say, 75 years. Yep. We're really bad at that in the Adventist church. Yep. And um, I think it confuses a lot of members, right? Because you want you, a member will sit here and read this and be like, okay, that's what we have to do. Well, how do you accomplish that? Right. You know I mean? How do you accomplish? How do you accomplish that in a society where um, the idea of absolute truth is completely and utterly rejected? How do you do that in a society that is so secularized? Yeah, and 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 it's interesting you said that because you know I'm thinking right in our area here. You know, let's just well let's look at Massachusetts. You've got subcultures, the Goths. You know, yeah. people in the Goth culture, yeah. and. and uh, you know, we talked about TikTok and and all these different subcultures and and uh, uh, you know what do they understand the gospel? And that's why I say, does the church understand the gospel? So the answer, the answer, the short answer is no. Right. Okay, but what they think they understand, what they think they understand, is the way Christianity is. Mm. Okay, so two separate things. Yeah. Understand the gospel? No. But they've killed the message because of the messenger. Mm, and I'm not meaning point. Jesus Christ. I'm point. meaning us. Yep. Okay? So they've thrown it out, and they say, you know what? If I'm going to be like you guys. I agree. With, yeah. That's this. No. The answer is no. Yep. I'll go celebrate in Salem, you know, yep. at Halloween. Yep. And I'll come up with something that makes me feel good. Yeah. All right. And then, okay, then I'm whatever. You know, the yeah. great beyond, Valhalla, you know, vis- you know, whatever. I'll come up with some kind of spirituality. Well, because there's a deep, a deep, deep desire for spirituality Correct. in yes. our culture. Yes. Um, but I think you're right about the messenger and the message because, um, but here, here's what we've done. And I, I say this in different ways all the time. Here's what we've done, right? People come along and they'll be like, I don't want to be like you. You guys, I mean, to, 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 to adopt like some old school terminology, you guys are a bunch of squares. And so what do we do? Well, we'll become hip to the culture, daddy-o. Yeah. And we completely change our way of doing business and we water down the gospel and we water down doctrine. I'm not suggesting we all become fundamentalists. I'm saying that we, we try too hard mm-hmm. and then we end up becoming something that we're not and something that we're not supposed to be in that lack of genuineness yes. is it becomes transparent to the audience we're trying to reach. Okay, well then let me bring you back. What's the doctrine that we're supposed to be pushing here? Okay, see this is that thing. Okay, we talk about doctrines and this and that and the other thing and we say, well, we don't want to follow the doctrines, right? Okay, well what's the true doctrine that we're supposed to be pushing? Jesus crucified and risen from the dead. Amen. Done. Amen. And and when you think about that the whole philosophy the ethos behind that it's it is antithetical to what we live in today why would god not just flex his muscles and say all right guys line up you know a straight line yep. and bow at the count of three 
it's not how he does it. He comes here. We are recording this here. If you, actually, when by the time this podcast gets broadcast, it will be after Christmas. Right. But uh, the point being is God, the incarnation, God becoming a, a human being, being born as you know in a manger. It's all so unreal. Right. And and well, and, it's not only it's, unreal. It's not unique. Yeah. Okay. There's lots of stories out there about virgin birth. Oh, okay. Okay. I yeah. mean, so so if I read and I become scholarly and I'm like, oh yeah, there's this story over here. Oh yeah, there's a story over here. Oh yeah, you Christians have that. Oh, and you've and oh well, guess what? The church has co-opted a bunch of pagan stuff, and now you've you know what do eggs and bunnies have to do with you know? Mm-hmm. And, and they're just like, okay, this is lunacy. Why would I bother? You know, because yeah. it's unreal. It's not. It's not truth. Well, I mean, what do you mean by that? You mean it, it's in the sense of? Well, what I'm saying is, is like, okay, in its fervor to like reach people, okay, okay, then what they've done is they've taken, like I said, okay, what does what does chocolate Easter, what does bunnies and fertility rituals have to do with the risen Christ? Oh, I see what you're saying. Absolutely nothing. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So if you are, we're in a more intellectual society Mm -hmm. now, or at least a more well-read society, and you start reading this stuff and you go, this is nonsense. It makes no sense whatsoever. But it all falls under the, the umbrella of Christianity. Mm. Okay, so you look at this sort of stuff and you say, these people are nuts, yeah. you know, because look at the things that they've done and the, the compromises that they've put together simply to do what? Hmm. Yeah, yeah, but and I'm saying that, so we, we have a history in the Adventist church of making that point, right? There's a lot of Adventists out there who don't like Christmas trees. Right. They don't do the Easter bunny thing, like searching for eggs on Easter or whatever. Um but what my my point is that we've done essentially, you know, the Catholics they they took all these pagan uh, festivals uh, tied to the harvest periods and and, and and pagan rituals, and they 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 baptized them and made it easier for people to assimilate into. Yeah, they tried the, it one way, right? And yeah. so we, but we essentially do the same thing because we try to become so like the culture. We try to we try to change what we present and how we present it because we think if we water it down enough or if we just tweak it enough that people are going to be like awesome yes yeah. it's a, it, the 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 story's the same all over the place right like i mean like from, from a literature perspective like the hero cycle and and things like that like this this permeates mythology and in other literature and we do live in an intellectual age and people will point that out there's it has been going on for a couple hundred years but you know Again, literacy, biblical literacy, we don't do a good job of philosophy in the Seventh-day Adventist Church. We don't do a good job of apologetics in the Seventh-day Adventist Church. And you have to be able to look at the culture and you have to be like, all right, yeah, cool. Um, You're right, the Easter Bunny whole, Easter Bunny thing, yeah, it comes from Ishtar. Um, You know, it was a pagan fertility festival in the spring. Um, Yes, uh, Christmas uh, coheres with the winter solstice and all that sort of thing, the the dying and rising sun. You're 100% correct. However, you know what Ishtar didn't do? Right. right. Ishtar didn't come and live alongside right. mm-hmm. her creation. Yep. Yep. A, because she didn't create. And number two, because the worshipers of Ishtar were slaves. 
So what, what does Christianity offer that all the other spiritualities that people yearn after don't? Right. They, they offer a God, you know, they say, well, and let me, let me back up. I think one of the mistakes that the church has made in the past 250 years has been an overemphasis on individual salvation mm. rather than a communitarian vision of voluntary servants. Mm. Go back to my King Richard analogy, mm-hmm. right? Just trying to do the right thing because King Richard inspired them to. Yeah. I think our over our emphasis on individual salvation, I'm a now I'm not saying that it's not true. I'm a sinner in need of salvation. But again, that, that presentation doesn't work in our modern culture. Go out in the street and tell somebody, hey man, you're a sinner. Yep. Right? You're thinking about what are you talking you're about? Right. They'll either so. do that or they'll be like, hey man, you know, no, I gave this much money to the Red Cross right. and I worked at the food bank last right. weekend That's and right. I donated, you know. I'm a good person. I'm a good person. Right. Yep. And so I think we need to re emphasize a communitarian um, vision of the church the voluntary aspect of the church, but not just the voluntary aspect of the individual believer, the voluntary aspect of the God that we serve. God is distinguishable. The God of the Bible is distinguishable from every other deity that anybody has ever, ever worshiped because the God of the Bible identifies with his creation to the point of coming and suffering alongside them. Right. Yep. And we just talk about this, like Jesus died for your sins. When we say for, there's two ways you can do four, right? Four as in on behalf of. Right. You can also do four because of. Because of. Mm. Right? There's that whole thing like uh, 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 Mel Gibson when they were filming the um, Passion of the Christ. He, yep. When they filmed the, the, the scene where they were putting the nails into Jesus' hands, he insisted that it be his hand holding the nail and swinging the hammer because it was, it was my sin. Right. Yeah. That put Jesus on the cross, yep. and Jesus did that voluntarily. Yeah, and that's I think that's a presentation that might work. But you know, again, I don't want to get into like methods and like if you present it this way. I just right. we, but again, we don't do a good job of philosophy. We don't go, do a good job of of creating a, a theologically literate congregation. Yeah, um, and that's something we have to do better of. And I think you know, there's an expression that uh, you know Jesus is the only God with wounds or with scars, and I think that's a powerful understanding that we're not seeing a god who's way up here but who has come way down here and and the question one of the discussion questions is what is the everlasting gospel why is it everlasting and why must what it teaches be foundational to our mission so well god is love right well, what does that mean true. right Right. What is love in a society? In a society that doesn't recognize. Okay. So, like we were talking about this, you know. Um, it's like I love my wife and I love tacos. You know. Well, well, <laughs> right. But there's that whole, there's that whole, um, you know, love others as you love yourself. Well, there's a good portion of our society that doesn't really like itself. Right. Okay. Right. So that that whole terminology falls flat. Okay. Yep. And what does true love actually look like? Okay, a billion dollars. I mean, some mm-hmm. people would make those arguments, right? So to Roger's point, we have to, the education on what actual love is and how God expresses it to us is probably the most one of the most important things that we can show. But we have to, we have to walk the walk as opposed as not necessarily just talk the talk i love the book of james i really do we need it <laughs> well it's like I our, think, our metric I think, yeah i think if you took the gospels 
the book of Romans, book of James, took those four, six books seriously. Yeah. It would revolutionize the world. If we put it into practice, put the Sermon on the Mount, take the Sermon on the Mount, Romans, and the book of James. Yeah. That that just would set the world on fire, really would. Actually, if, I think if people would just, if we if we did a better job, and this we put this into our institution, our, our congregational KPIs, not that I've really done anything to rectify it other than do this podcast, but if we really understood the grand narrative of Scripture. True, yep. The grand narrative of Scripture where God says, look, I'm going to create a place, I'm going to dwell with my people. Right. And Adam and Eve voluntarily left, mm-hmm. and God went chasing after them, and he chased after them for a long time. And then he allowed them to come towards him by adopting parts of the culture, right? Yep. Territorial gods, conquest, temples, sacrifice. He allowed them to do it. He indulged them, right? We look at that as like, God was like, oh, I invented sacrifice. No. Mm. God indulged human passions and human means of communication. And so he indulged that and and he allowed these things to happen and he kept working with them and working with them and working with them saying, look, this is how you get better. This is how you get better. This is how you get better. And they kept falling flat on their face and he kept picking them back up and saying, okay, try again. I'm sticking with you. And then finally he comes and he's like, you know what? I'm not just gonna tell you how to do it. I'm gonna live it with you. And then I've said this more than once, and we killed him for it. Mm-hmm. And guess what he did? He kept going. Yep. That's the gospel. That's I, that's a good way to end. I think it is a good way to end our, our podcast. This is the last words for this podcast in 2023. Happy New Year! All right. <laughs> <laughs> so We just fist bumped. There yeah. we go. There we go. All right. <laughs> So, 2024 brings us the book of Psalms. We'll be looking at that first quarter, and I'm sure we're blessed by that. Um, but we're going to wrap this one up and appreciate Well, I just realized, but look at this. Uh, I just realized this is going to drop. If everything goes according to normal, this will drop on Christmas Eve or Christmas Day. That's true. Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas. That's right. There we go. There we go. So, and Happy New Year. Shall we sing a Christmas carol, gentlemen? I think not. <laughs> oh. Hey, uh, Roger, will you pray for us as we close? I will. <laughs> Father in heaven, we thank you, Lord, as always, for the opportunity. I thank you for the fellowship of Pastor and Tom, and I pray for Daniel and hmm. Pastor Tom, who is not with us tonight, who aren't with us tonight. But I pray that you'll be with them. I pray, Lord, that as we just noticed that as we wrap up the year, this is the last podcast for the year 2023. And I know that there are people who have had triumphs this year, and for those I give you thanks. There are people who have had uh, struggles and trials this year, and I pray that you will give them strength, that just like you did in Christ, that you will come and you will walk beside them. But in terms of mission, Lord, I pray that you will give each of us the inspiration and the courage and the the strength, the energy, Mm. um, to walk alongside those in trials and to endure in our own trials, knowing that you walk us uh, beside us as well. I pray for those in our congregation. I pray for this new year. I pray for everyone who's listening to this. I pray for this congregation, the College Church. I pray for South Lancaster Academy. I pray for the Southern New England Conference. And I pray for your church, not just the Adventist Church, 
for the Christian church. Pray for every person of the universal church that 2024 may be a year that each of us discovers in our own way as congregations and as individuals. We discover our own way of successfully communicating and living out, more importantly, your mission. I ask all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Roger, thank you. Tom, thank you. And uh, Megan, thank you for editing this. And uh, don't edit out. <laughs> oh, no. Don't edit that out, Megan. <laughs> I don't know these guys. <laughs> no, nah, it's really a blast doing this, and, and we're, we're just have a wonderful time. Listen, everybody have a uh, good rest of the year, and may God be with us in 2024, and may wonderful things happen. Go forth in faith, and remember to keep your eyes, our all of our eyes, fixed on Jesus Christ, the author and the finisher of our faith. God be with you. If you are looking for a community, have some questions about the discussion, or would like to participate in a live Sabbath school class, please join us every Saturday at 10 a.m. for Sabbath school and 11.15 for our worship service at 337 Main Street, South Lancaster, Massachusetts. This has been a production by the College Church's Communication slash Media Ministry. If you were blessed by this podcast, please like, follow, and subscribe. Join us next week for another lesson and let us all remember to love more, grow more, and serve more.